0: Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG Podcast, I'm your host John, and in this episode I'm going to be talking about why GMs should share some of that descriptive load with your players. But first of all, let's cue the music. now with the mere mention of sharing some of the descriptive load and the gm's sort of traditional role with players i can already hear some people saying oh john how can we share the descriptive load with the players they'll run roughshod over the game it'll be chaos Anarchy will be loosed up on the streets what are we gonna do well first of all take a deep breath of course i'm not advocating that you hand all of the descriptive control over to the players although to be fair if you can make that work for your game more power to you no we're just talking about sharing that work between members of the group so you might say, well, why would I want or need to do that in the first place? And that's a perfectly valid question. Well, first of all, it shares some of the work around rather than lumping it all on the shoulders of the GM. As the the phrase goes, many hands make light work. And now the GM has an awful lot of stuff to do ahead of the game you've got to design the dungeons you've got to prep the locations the npcs you've got to have an idea of what's going on with the plot you're spinning a lot of plates basically and occasionally you might you might miss some stuff you might have forgotten to detail out what an npc looks like or maybe it's an npc or a location that you hadn't planned on the players visiting and they decide to just randomly go there, or randomly talk to the butcher in the town, and you have to quickly pull together a description. And that's when this can really help. Which brings us to our second point. It gets the players invested more in the game, because they had a direct hand in determining like, the quirks of a particular NPC, or some of the descriptive bits of a location. As a... People we're naturally more invested in stuff that we've been directly involved in and that's not to say you know if the gms design some stuff we instantly like mentally peace out as players but you know if you feel like you've had a hand in creating something you tend to enjoy seeing it a little bit more and you get a little bit invested in it and point three a multitude of people contributing ideas can lead to results that a solitary GM or game planner might not have considered. Now, it's very easy when you're planning out a game session or a campaign to get sort of locked into a certain frame of mind, and it can be very difficult to break out of that But if you're sort of constantly sort of redoing the same old stuff or approaching things from the same angle, things can get a little bit stale and become a bit stagnant in your game after a while. Whereas having ideas thrown in by other people who have different viewpoints, have different ideas on things, It can be enough just to shake things up mentally, to get you onto a different track or to consider aspects of your game that you might otherwise not have even thought of. And it can just help keep things fresh and keep them moving along. Okay, okay, so you're running your game and you're excited to get your players involved in the descriptions due to the reasons we've just talked about. So what's the best way to go about it? Well, whoa, 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 sweet child of mine, before we delve into that, there's a second caveat. Yes, I know, another one. In my opinion, this method is best used with a group that you're familiar with and have built up a level of trust with. Although as a GM, you've obviously got final refusal over suggestions. You don't want the hassle of constantly having to overrule silly or unsuitable suggestions. This can take up valuable gaming time and it can lead to bad feeling amongst the group. That said, if you're running a crazy one-shot or a con game where you only have to worry about it for a few hours, it can work great depending on the game and the atmosphere you're looking for. So. Taking that into account and assuming you're ready to go, what is the best way of sharing the descriptive load with your player group? Well, I find that just being upfront about it is the best way. I tend to start by asking leading questions. this has the benefit of providing some direction to your group and hopefully avoiding long pauses, but it also hints at the sort of answers you're looking for without restricting the responses too much, for instance, if an NPC turns up and you turn to a player and say what's what what's with the strange birthmark that's on their face what does it remind you of you instantly tell them what you're looking for and you've sort of directed that input but within that the player still has an awful lot of wiggle room with their response as an example in a recent vampire session that i was running one of our hikata vampires had been sent to hunt down a minor league drug dealer named giuseppe camino When the players went to seek him out, I turned to the group as a whole and said, what's one quirk this drug dealer has that the character might notice? And we got a couple of descriptive suggestions that he was ratty looking and that he's been getting high on his own supply and has maybe developed a bit of a twitch as a result. Now, another player suggested that perhaps he was a minor level supernatural like a ghoul. Now, here's where I exercised a bit of GM adjudication and discretion, both to preserve a little bit of mystery and because I knew we had a few other encounters with ghouls coming up and I didn't want those encounters to all feel very similar. So instead, I decided to make the drug dealer a spirit who was possessing the body of a person, which works quite well because we've got a bit of a necromantic theme to our sort of short-term campaign that we're doing. There's still a minor league supernatural, but the encounter was a, a little bit more interesting as a result now as you can see with that example because i hadn't really planned out this drug dealer i hadn't really had much time to plan the the session i knew that the the player was being sent to hunt him down i'd got a random name i knew where he sort of what his turf was effectively i threw it wide open to the players and just said quirks so that suggests you know it's something a bit sort of off the wall a bit sort of a bit sort of strange or a little bit odd which is what they all went for but within that arena, they had a wider range of options when it came to making their choices. Hence, like I say, a physical description is the probably the easiest and the most straightforward because we tend to notice uh, the physicality of other people when we first come across them. So yeah, a very simple one, first of all, couldn't have asked for a better one. He's a bit ratty looking. He's a little bit weaselly. Then, number two, yeah, he's got a bit of a twitch. Again, a physical thing, but the player supplied a bit of a sort of justification for that. He's a drug dealer. Maybe he's been dibbing into his own supply and sampling his own wares. So we're starting to build up a bit of a background with him, you know. Maybe he's a bit less professional, or there's a reason that he, like, doesn't care about his own sort of physical safety. And, in fact, this this drug-dealing NPC had been sort of let's say, watering down or cutting his his produce and making a bit on the side. And the reason the vampire had been sent after him was because the high-ups in the underworld wanted to make an example of him. Now, as well as that, we then also had our player who decided that the, the game's about supernatural creatures, vampires, ghouls, etc., and stuff like that. Maybe we could tie the... This drug dealer into Camino into that, so they they suggested, oh, he's a minor supernatural because obviously he's not a major character at the moment anyway in the game. So oh, we'll have him as a minor supernatural. So you know he's not just going to be like run roughshod by the the player characters. Although as a ghoul or something of equivalent level power, he's not on the same level as the player characters. Now as I've said. I know we've got loads of encounters with ghouls coming up, so I didn't want yet another encounter, but it was quite easy for me to go, okay, what's another minor level supernatural that would fit with the themes we've got going on? All right, okay, like, we've got 50% of our player party. have got sort of necromantic leanings. We're in a city which is pretty much run by the Hikata, the the Clan of Death, the Clan of Necromancers. We've had a bit of sort of ghostly goings on, but I'm looking for a way to, like, feed into... More of that sort of ghostly plot, right? I make the guy a spirit that's possessing the body of someone. I can also then link that into why he's not bothered about this this nervous twitch. In fact, maybe the nervous twitch was the original person, the owner of the body, trying to sort of shake off his control or struggle to the surface. But it does explain why the the drug dealer wasn't really bothered about the the deleterious effects that the drugs are having on the body of the vessel it was inhabiting. Because well, when the body wears out. The spirit will just move on to something else. And that's what ended up happening. When the the player character vampire got a bit too uh, a bit too rowdy and beat this person almost to death, the spirit was like, Right, I'm gonna peace out and leave this body. I'm gonna go and find another one. I'll I'll come back and uh pester you in a bit when I've got a nice shiny new body. You've inconvenienced me for a bit, so mission accomplished. You've given me a stiff warning, as the underworld bosses want, but we've now got potential for this NPC." showing up in the future and I think that's the real benefit of this idea of sharing the the sort of descriptive load around between your players as I said earlier it can lead to ideas and sort of aspects of your game that you might not otherwise have considered I certainly had no idea when we went into this vampire session that Giuseppe Camino was actually going to be a ghost that hopped around different bodies, and could potentially be showing up in a variety of guises to bedevil the player characters at various points throughout the game, but by just throwing it open to the players, I instantly got a compelling NPC, I had a description of them for the scene that they were in, and we had some potential plot lines branching off from them, and that was literally with a few minutes of work, where we all sort of had a quick think about it and we all throw a few ideas into the ring and it worked really well now like i said at the start i think this does work better when you've got a group that you trust and you know you're all on the same level and you're all sort of invested in the game to a certain degree anyway and you know you're not just throwing in like crazy stuff just for the sake of it but Like I say, your mileage may vary, it depends on the genre and the style of game that you're running. But I really do recommend, even if it's only for a few small side things like minor NPCs or a little location that's just randomly ended up being featured in your game, turn some of the descriptive load over to the players. Take a little bit of that weight off your shoulders as a GM and also open yourself up to the avenues of other people's ideas and fresh viewpoints in your game and you'll probably find that your sessions will benefit greatly from it so there we are we hope you've enjoyed this episode if you'd like to get in touch with us maybe be featured in a future voicemail response episode you can do so in a number of different ways you can leave us a voicemail message on speakpipe or anchor There's links in the description down below. Or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. And like I say, you might even be featured in a future episode. So until we speak to you again, take care, stay safe, and whenever you're playing, have fun.